This is Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast with Roscoe, the fanalist, and Subby. This is Leafs Late Night, but it is Roscoe and the Beaner tonight for the next generation game between Toronto and New Jersey. So uh, first, let's chat about that and the jerseys. So let's start with the actual next gen game. Uh, they made the broadcast was supposed to be targeted towards the younger kids. They had some uh, f- analysts, I guess, younger people that Sportsnet employs uh, under the age of 30 that they talked to on a panel to find out, you know, what they want to see from the broadcast. There was a lot of, you know, less seriousness, have more fun with it. You know, the facts are cool, but joke around a little more and just enjoy yourselves. I think that was generally the consensus. Um other than that, it was some NFT jokes and some avatars of Poppy and Mitchie. So, I mean, that's kind of my breakdown of it. What did you think of the the presentation, Bean? First thing I'm going to say is... I'm sorry, I missed why that. Why is Engvall what? called Seabiscuit? And... <laughs> So as the guys scored, it showed up their little avatar that looked like it was from NHL 94. And like it when Marner scored, it said Mitchie and that, right? And then when Engvall scored, it said... I Seabiscuit. didn't see that. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it, maybe I'm losing my mind, which is a very distinct possibility. Um, but I don't recall everything. I don't know. Maybe he just referred to maybe he thinks before. the giraffe thing's offensive. Maybe he doesn't take it as as lightly as the rest of us make it out to be. Maybe I should stop doing my... Who am I kidding? I'm going to keep doing that every time he scores. Congratulations on getting the first star of the night, Pierre Engvall. Game-winning, shorthanded goal. But uh, back to the the next-gen thing. I was expecting this to be like they did a couple years ago where there was just way too much animation on the ice and it looks like we're actually watching a Chell game. This was a little more toned down. I think they had the right approach by talking to people and actually, you know, what do you want to see? And we're going to ask you on TV so everyone knows we're doing this. <laughs> I thought that was good. Yeah, and like it it was kind of cool how whenever they had the goals, they had what looked like the NHL 22 simulation yeah. of said goal and that, right? So it was, it was kind of neat in that sense, and I get why they're doing it. Like You see a lot of people on Twitter complaining, say, about the jerseys. Like, oh, the Leafs are too rich in tradition to do something like this. They're blue and white. They're not black. Well, come on. This isn't geared yeah, towards every, uh It's like, like it's like, oh, I'm not even going to go there. It's like when people get mad that there is a day for other people. <laughs> and it's like every other day is for you yep. anyway. So shut up. Absolutely. So, I mean, okay. To <laughs> Sorry, I was about to go off on something there and I had to stop myself. <laughs> Um, the jerseys though, I liked them at the drop. I was very, 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 very tempted to buy one. I didn't, I haven't yet. I probably will still, uh, I like them personally, but I'm 27. So it's geared towards my demographic as a Leaf fan. Um, you're a little older than me, not no offense, but what did you think of it? (laughs) I loved it. Okay. Um, they, they didn't, they didn't go too far off the board into anything too wacky and crazy. Um, they're pretty simple. They're pretty, I find them nice and sleek and crisp. Um, 
And yeah, I I have a Riley one on the way. I don't know when it's going to show up, but it has been oh, ordered. amazing. So did you see on the Leafs Instagram, they actually did, you know, they always have the breakdown of the jersey, like what everything means that they make up afterwards. Yep. So did you see this one? I'm just going to go through it here. So it's the flip side jersey. So the crest, a Shibori inspired print pumps life into the Leafs veins and dimensional cresting enhances the traditional crest. Okay. Sleeves and socks. This is as lame as the writing is of this. This is actually what got me. And I was like, I want one. Toronto's skyline is subtly integrated into the print. So if you look closely <clears throat> between the two dark blue stripes, there's actually the skyline with the CN Tower kind of hidden in there. Uh, you'd have to get pretty close to see it, but it's pretty cool. Uh, the back, our traditional stripes and numbers are rendered in next gen style. And the Adidas badge of sport ensures authenticity. I just got to <laughs> shout out the fact that there's an Adidas logo on the back. Get out of here. Uh, and then on the inside of the uh, the neck, it says honor, pride, and courage, as everybody knows. Flip side, uh, with the Drew logo. A Maple Leafs X Drew House crest appears on the reverse side. External stitching shows up as raw zigzags, emphasizing reversibility. <laughs> what do you mean emphasizing reversibility? Obviously, on the other side, the stitches are reversed. Like, this is... I, it's always a stretch to make these things fit, but this one is really yeah. grasping at straws. <laughs> Outside of the CN Tower thing, man, it's a stretch. I, I didn't realize that. I'm going to have to take a closer look at it. I didn't realize the Toronto skyline was a part of it like that. That's kind of cool. Yeah, see, and I said that in our the Twitter group chat that we're in, and uh, a couple people had mentioned the same thing. So I think that kind of got lost in uh, in all the memos on this one. But I think that's a really cool feature that they should have highlighted a little more. Uh, so on the ice, I don't think these jerseys looked as good as they did up close. And like, that's unfortunate because I felt the opposite about the Aretna's jerseys. I felt like they didn't look great up close on the mannequin. But on the ice, they looked good. Come on. We only know these by nicknames. Like the Mooderus lives forever and the Buffa Slug will live on forever. So you gotta you got to name the jerseys. This is the, the Aretna's. I love that. So, I mean, do you agree? Yeah. I, when I first saw the jersey, I thought, okay, that's nice, and it's going to look really nice on the ice. And then I saw the pictures starting to come out of the guys in the full gear, and I was like, man, that's a really nice kit. Like, the full setup, really nice. Um, but I might even be alone on this. I thought that on the reverse retro jerseys as well. And kind of similar to them, they're kind of hard to read on the ice. Yeah. They are the gray on blue for the reverse retro. I mean, I've got one here beside me. It's uh, it's kind of tough, especially with the blue inside of the crest. It makes it really hard to read. I felt like these ones, just the the black on the blue, even with the white, it's just you couldn't really see yeah. the blue against it on the broadcast, which takes away from I don't know. I don't feel like I'm watching the Leafs when they're in all black like that. It almost seems like they're in a practice jersey. I, I think part of that is probably also us being kind of force fed the fact that they're blue or they're white and once in a very very rare blue moon they're green that's fair like there, there's there's nothing else right um kind of the same thing when tampa brought out what do they call them when they first came out the stealth jerseys when tampa first brought out their black jerseys yeah the first couple games it's like okay that looks stupid but then it kind of grew on you right yeah but i don't think we're gonna see these 
again outside of next like it's a next gen thing are they going to wear this once next year maybe they did um when they first brought the arenas out it was for the next century game or whatever they called it and they wore them for a handful of games so do we think we're going to see these like more than just tonight in a row like are they going to wear these next game not next game but maybe one game in the middle of april just to kind of spice things up yeah fair enough yeah maybe over easter weekend or something we'll see them cool uh well overall i'll give the next gen jersey and broadcast a seven and a half out of ten i think push it maybe pushing towards an eight i'm gonna stick a seven and a half i think there was some things that were a little cheesy but i think it's definitely an improvement over their previous attempts to be hip and cool and didn't look like uh that meme with what's his name with the skateboard oh steve buscemi Uh, steve buscemi yeah I was thinking about that, but <laughs> as you said, and, and their attempt to look hip, I just couldn't help but think of that scene from The Simpsons when Abe is lecturing Homer. <laughs> yeah, and I saw, I think it was Dangle who shared the uh, the thing that's like from Seymour, where he's like, it's not me that's wrong, the kids are wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so into the game, uh, Leafs victorious 3-2 over New Jersey. Which was great. Uh, it was kind of a stalled first period. Leafs looked strong, but neither team could really get anything going. Uh, I don't know what you think, but my take from this is New Jersey's kind of a random team. They don't really have much of an identity right now, which I think is hard to play against because they're pretty unpredictable. And I think that the Leafs just took a while to get anything going. And they also have two new players in the lineup, and they're down Sandine and they're down Kasha. So I think there was a lot of adjustment going on at the beginning. Absolutely. And like, not that I want to keep bringing it up because I brought it up last cast, but I just saw New Jersey play in Edmonton over the weekend. And it, it it's kind of the same thing. Like they were all over the place. They'd have shift after shift after shift of relentless pressure against Edmonton. And then all of a sudden they disappear and then they'd come back and it, they're very, I guess it, because they're rebuilding, right. They're very sporadic. Um, but like a, a takeaway, I, took and maybe it's just me but Jared Anno and Lilligren looked great together in my opinion like they did I was not expecting that to be a pair on ice expected goals against of 0.11 get out of here that's like, insane Riley and Labushkin was 0.47 and Brody and Hall was 0.97 like do we have a new defensive shutdown pair with Gio and Lily if this can unlock something in Logren and just mentor him that quickly, I, I'm so down. Oh, I, I've not as much as I'm a pimp for Sandine, but I've always loved Lily. And he's just, he always seems to get the raw end of the deal. Um, not to mention the fact that he looks like Mario with his mustache, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think that that comes with coming in as a pair is always going to be compared to the other one. I think we're going to see the same thing with uh, Hirvan and, and Niemela. Even though they're a forward and defenseman, I think they're always going to be compared to each other because they're going to come yep. in together and from the same place. And Yeah. So, uh, Mrazek held his own in the first. I think, I mean, we mentioned it before getting on. You brought yes. up the Leafs were really protecting him. But I think, aside from that, they just played a really good defensive game. Which they is did. Nice there, was a, there was a couple bad giveaways. Um, for some reason, Marner was standing out to me tonight. I don't know if it was just me focusing in on him for some strange reason but he seemed to be a little loose defensively tonight 
Yeah, Bunting coughed one up there too in the defensive end. Yeah, Murazaki. So aside from okay, the first goal, the Severson goal, you can't really blame him because yeah, unfortunately, it came off Labushkin's leg going down, coming off on a pass from Jesper Brat. Damon Severson opens it up yeah. one nothing. Take it away. Yeah, there, there's not really much you can do against that one, but for the rest of the game, he he played. Aside from the next goal, he he played relatively well. Like I don't know what he was thinking on Heischer's goal, because I don't know if he does no, if he forgot no. what the word positioning is. Um, but 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 yeah. Aside and every everybody's due for for a blip, especially he's had his confidence shaken over the last week for sure, if not the last month. Um, no kidding. But no, it it was a good bounce back for him. Yeah, and I mean, after getting waived and called back up immediately after because the team couldn't move your contract <laughs> at the deadline because no one wants you, like, ouch. If that's not a reason to come in and play, like, you have to be here or you're gone. Next, Like, next year, nobody could sign him. He could get bought out and never play in the NHL again if he continued on that trend. So he really, this is for his his livelihood at this point. Not that he hasn't made yeah, no. millions over his career to retire on. But uh, I think he made... 20 good saves and let in two bad goals, unfortunately. I mean, the first one, like we said, eh. But it's not like it came that fast off of Labushkin. There was some... Like, I don't want to say he should have deflections because that's hard to pin on a goalie, but, like, I don't know. A good goalie could have had that. Some deflections, yes, he should have had. um, Like, you should have. But that one was one of those weird... Like the way Labushkin went down, there's no way Mrazek saw it. Um, if yeah, if, if he was a larger-bodied goaltender and was positionally sound, it probably would have been stopped. But at that point, it's a crapshoot, right? Yeah, Labushkin tried to pull a TJ Brody there and throw the body down in front of it, but it uh, he was like a half a second too late. Um, I mean, if we're talking next gen in shell terms, he was about three frames late on that, getting down, pressing the uh, LNR trigger. And uh, unfortunately, it got caught under him as he went down and went off his leg. So why nothing on the power play? Tried to pull a Brody and pulled a Hall. Yep. Um, and fortunately, that was the last time anything positive came out of a Devil's power play for the rest of the night. Because, oh my God, Leafs were lethal. <laughs> and I mean, we were saying the last, I don't know, four shows. It's crazy how Marner can create a shorthanded chance every single time they're shorthanded. And he did it again. Yeah, not that he I, scored I, either it, of the short days, but it, it's not that it's baffling because you know, he has the skill, but at some point you got to think that power plays will adjust to it. Like penalty kills adjust to power plays all the time. Yes. It's very rare for a team to be this successful shorthanded. But when you are this successful shorthanded, like that's almost bad coaching, not having game plan for it. Yeah, that's got to be part of the notes coming into the night. Like, man, they were leading tied for the lead already. So McKay of the Cobra strikes first him and McKay or him and uh, Kerfoot break out. And I think they said the Leafs are tied with it was either Vegas or maybe the Oilers. I think it was for most two on one shorthanded attempts. Yeah, absolutely like, crazy. Wild. So uh, 
Kerfoot feeds Mikheyev, who just dances around, uh, what's his name, Dawes, and uh, puts the first one in there for the Leafs, ties it up. But uh, not two minutes later, Nico Heischer with a little fluky one. So we're going to get to this. This was the other weird one that Mrazek let in. Uh, why was he in the net? Because if he was not past the goal line and in the net, he would have stopped it. I've I've given up quite a while ago trying to figure out what Mrazek's doing in net. Not, <laughs> not that he's to the point of a Tosca or anything like that. But sometimes you just got to give your head a shake, like relax. There's there's a benefit to being a little bit quieter in the crease if you can manage it, right? Like some look at what Shogren did. Sometimes less is more. Yeah, but like I said, he made 20 good saves. <clears throat> Pardon me. 20 good saves on the night, but he let two bad ones in. And uh, I mean, on 22 shots, two rough ones. Yeah, he's lucky the Leafs got three. We'll say that. <laughs> yes, he is. And man, the power the Leafs power play was garbage tonight. How do you score two shorthanded goals and blow one, two, three power plays? Probably because they're not used to getting power plays. They don't know what to do with them anymore. Okay, so here's my theory. Is that Geo and Blackwell both come in with two shorthanded goals on the season each, if I'm not mistaken. And maybe Gio has one, but I think he has two. So the Leafs are notorious for getting the worst calls in the league against them. Did Dubas just say, instead of fighting this, let's just have the best penalty kill. Let's make the penalty kill our power play. If we're never going to get power plays anymore because we have the best one in the league, they're just going to say, no, you're not allowed. Fine. We'll score on the shorthanded every time between Mikheyev and Marner and Blackwell and Gio and Kampf and Kasha. Everybody's going to score shorthanded. I, I really hope that's actually what it was. I never kind of thought about it that in depth. And if that is what Dubas did, that's that's actually like that's five D chess there. Like that only just hit me after this game. I'm like, you know what? This shorthanded thing is starting to click with me. I think he did this on purpose because it's not a fluke that the two people he brought in are both lethal shorthanded. On top of all the other things that we needed. I mean, it could be a fluke. I don't think it is. I, I think Dubas is, is playing us a little harder than we realize. Definitely. By the way, do you, did you see the comment from him talking to Kiprios? Which one? When Kiprios was asking if he really thinks that Giordano can play a top four role. Oh, no. And he just commented back, well, yeah, Nick, he's been doing it, you know, forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kipper, how long did you play? Like, oh, I've, I okay, love the so, Great. It was like on trade deadline day, they had Berkey and uh, Dati going back and forth about whose book sold better. I like that they're getting a little uh, feisty. <laughs> so Mitch Marner with an absolute rocket. Are you joking? So Bunting grabs the puck behind the net, feeds it over to Matthews, who just sauces it, literally saucer pass. To Marner, who I don't even know if he didn't stop this. He just drops down and fires it like took a page out of Matthews and Ovechkin's book there. I've never seen Marner do this. Yeah, no, that's that's not a Marner goal with the 16 on his back. That was more like a Brett Hall goal like that. That oh. was that, that was beautiful. You don't see that from him too often. 
No, that was fantastic. 27th on the year, 29th assist for Bunting, 34th assist for 34 on the season. What a number. What a season these guys are having, that first line. Um, I got to say, though, outside of this play, they were a little meh the whole night. Like we said earlier, a couple turnovers defensively. Uh, this game was really led by the third and fourth line tonight. I mean, I have to give William Nylander credit. Tonight is the first night that I think he's not played kind of, I don't want to say badly, but the first time I've noticed him make some good plays in a while. It seemed like it was his first 60-minute game in quite a while. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Not that he's been playing poorly, but this is probably his his first full 60-minute game in, in a while. Yeah. Uh, so what about, because we got to talk about this, what about Giordano not getting called for tripping? I honestly thought that the broadcast skipped. I thought I lost two to two and a half minutes of the broadcast because I saw that happen, and I just thought, oh, there's a penalty. And the next thing I know, Gio is on the bench. It's like, what, what, what in the world is going on here? Yeah, I, I, I seem to recall. I'm not trying to be like, oh, I've seen this before, but I seem to recall this has happened. Like, it's not super. I mean, it's uncommon, but like a couple times a season, this happens now. Is it, or is it less common than that? Like, am I crazy? It's more common that it goes the other way. Like, the, the, the chances of a call like that happening... And it, I haven't watched as much hockey the past month as I normally do, but it you, you almost never see it. No, that's, that's fair. Um, so, my joke was that Geo hasn't been a leaf long enough to uh, lose an argument with the refs, <laughs> but they'll give him the benefit of the doubt still. He saw the black jersey and thought he was still on the Kraken. Yeah. Oh, or they got a glimpse of the inside and thought he was a Bruin. My, I, don't th- I don't think they were wearing the reverse ones on the ice. But uh, no, that was wild. But all the credit that the refs gained from making it the right call there, they lost by calling an icing before the puck crossed the line when Marner was clearly able to get there and New Jersey touched it before it crossed. Like, shouldn't have been icing. And Marner letting the refs have it. Him and Austin are just, <laughs> they're done. They're fed up. I'm so happy to see that, though. Like, too often you see stars just not say a thing, not say a thing, because since they were five, six, seven years old, it's been bred into them. You can be the best, but you don't argue. You know, you, you play with your head up. You don't stoop to that level, whatever cliche you want to say. But wear yeah, your suit right? to the like arena. It's, it's nice to see some of that emotion. Even earlier in the year when McDavid started yeah. snapping back a little bit and then dry side, dry, dry, oh, <laughs> right? dry gets pissy. It, as silly as it sounds, that kind of stuff is actually going to bring more fans in because people are going to see it and they're going to be able to relate to it. Exactly. You know what? That's That should be the takeaway from this next-gen thing is as much as we want to see more character and emotion out of the broadcasters and, and the panels, we need to allow the players to be more themselves and and say what they're feeling without I mean I'm not going to say without finding them because there's things obviously you can't allow people to say but I mean just stop 
squashing the emotion that these players have and telling them to all come out and be, you know, here's the answers you give. Don't say any more than this. Don't say that. Like, and it goes alongside, this is kind of a tangent, but it goes alongside with the whole, if you want to get into gambling with the NHL, like, you know, they have to, they have to be more open with the information that they put out there whether that's the things that players are allowed to say or, you know, telling everyone what your lineup is going to be or who's starting a net before, you know, half an hour before the game. Like just half an hour before, if you're someone like a Sutter, it's, you're going to be announcing it five minutes after the game started. Well, that, that's what I mean is like there's so much lockdown on information in the NHL and I feel like they just need to open it up a little bit and people will respect that. 100%. I and mean, I know it's a little kind of a... a branch to say that other note on gambling but i think it's in the same vein 100 percent, absolutely so anyway third period pierre engvall man this shorty again i love this uh leaves with their second game scoring two shorthanded goals last time they did that was uh new year's day against ottawa hey two times in in like three months of two shorthanded goals in the same game well done guys absolutely the penalty kill has just been lethal in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're not ranked number one in the league, which their power play is. So it's, it's so misleading. <laughs> it, it it really is. And not that I want to be a Debbie Downer or anything, but how is our power play so ranked so highly when it looks so. Because we don't get any of them. Okay, yeah. No, no. It takes so many of them to like the amount of them that they'd have to not score on to drop their percentage to whoever's in second place. Like they, they don't get that many power play attempts. It just seems like, like tonight, even three of them is yeah, a lot. It seems like every game it's like, oh man, that power play was bad. Oh, that power play was bad. And yet we're still, we're still right up there, but I guess you're right. There was only the one power play that was bad. So, you know, um, so Engvall just so patient on this one. Let's everybody just slide right by him. Who was that Hamilton that I believe so, yep. flew in and just dances around, waits for the perfect moment, puts it in for the game winning goal. Uh, it sucks that Mikheyev took that four minute double minor. Um, I saw a lot of people asking questions. I know most people that listen to the show probably know how that happens, but just so everybody knows. If you uh, high stick or elbow or anything that's a minor penalty that draws blood, you get a double minor. If you score in those first two minutes, it gets reduced to a two minute power play. So if you score with like, you know, there's three minutes, it drops to two. If you score after, it's gone. So score within the first two or it's gone. Anyway, uh, sucks that Mikheyev, after scoring the shorty, goes off for four minutes, but the Leafs did an awesome job killing it. And then to finish it off, Dougie Hamilton takes a penalty and kills the New Jersey Devils' momentum entirely. Womp womp. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of fitting. Yep. It was. Um, P.K. Subban is uh, just kind of going through the motions, eh? Oh, and... <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, buddy. I know I know you've had a great career, but, like, if you want to retire, just retire. It's so bad in Edmonton on Saturday. Yet again, not that I want to keep bringing up that I was at the game. Oh, no. Of course. Oh, my Lord, did he look like I get it. I'm not a professional athlete. I could not do better. I will say that right now. I, by no means. Oh, none <laughs> like, of us are saying no we could. I'm saying I could. But 
oh my, it was like I was watching a defenseman from 93 or 94. Like, there, there was no no fluidity in his motion. There was, it was like, he was a brick out there. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't come to an agreement and just terminate the contract right? like everybody said they would. I mean, I know it's not as easy as that, but it seemed like it was. I mean, if Fridge and Merrick were talking about it, it seems like it is just as simple as, you know, they both come to agreement on it. It just doesn't happen often. That doesn't mean it's impossible. The majority of the time that it happens, it's because a player's going over to, the, to Europe or the KHL, right? Yeah. It's, you know, they can still just stay in the NHL and sign with another team. Okay. Um, I got to give a shout out to uh, Joe on Twitter at LeafsGirl34, who just had the most unfortunate luck tonight. I'm so sorry for this. Uh, So Joe had tickets for tonight's game. Uh, This is from her tweet. Went down to the glass for warm up and ended up getting hit in the head with a puck. So I ended up missing the game and I'm at the hospital waiting to get stitches. Are you serious? Come on. That's horrible. That sucks. Like for the next gen game too, it's not like it's just any, you know, they can hopefully they hook her up with another game, but like, man, that sucks. Our, our condolences. Absolutely. Okay. Twitter questions. Okay. Our first one comes from Mike as usual. Thank you, Mike at MTC underscore 80. Uh, is the combined wingspan of the Leafs' third line an NHL record? It almost has to be, doesn't it? I would think so. <laughs> yeah, probably. Because what do we got on the third line? That's Engvall and... Um, oh, who was out there tonight on the third? Engvall, they just keep changing them around yeah, so much. Could, if you'd want to go by ice time... Sorry, let me just get it here. Because the fourth... Okay, it would probably be Blackwell... Yeah, he he played. Engvall, Blackwell, and Blackwell Kampf? played quite a bit with Spez and Simmons. Yeah, man, was there a, a third not, line? Not, like, not, if, the if you look at time on ice, there really wasn't. But if we're talking about those three guys, which I'm assuming he is, Kampf, Engvall, and Blackwell, yeah, probably. Um, I did in searching this because I was curious for a couple minutes. Uh, Vegas has the highest average height and weight in the entire league by like a significant <laughs> number. I forget what it was, but it, they uh, they very purposely have bulked up. And there was a, an article from The Athletic on, you know, whether it works or not. Well, it's clearly dragging them out of the playoff race, but... Uh... Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Bigger they are, the harder they fall, clearly, with $39 million on LTIR. I love it. So uh, second part to Mike's point here, if Gio can get the boys playing that physical um, night in and a night out, the boys will be a nightmare for the rest of the Atlantic to deal with. I think so too. I think uh, Dubas is going to be underrated for this move until the playoffs hit and then everyone's going to go, oh shit, we might have overspent for what we got. Basically everyone's thinking the same as, as Craig Button, who I don't know how he's still employed a lot like Steve Simmons. Um, And yeah, it just sees the Leafs as uh, like the bottom feeder of the Atlantic, essentially, when it comes to the playoff teams. Like, I, I get it; they didn't go as hardcore as some of the other teams, but if you look, they also didn't need no, to. No, they didn't. If you look at everything they had, what's happened in the last couple of years in the playoffs? Last year wasn't goaltending. 
it's the stars didn't show up to score. Not that I'm ripping on Matthews and Marner, but they didn't show up. That's what it ultimately came down to. And yeah, nothing was missing. It just was an underperformance from what's there, which is something that's fixable. Absolutely. And if you didn't have Carey Price on the other end, who knows what could have happened, right? Yeah. I mean, not that it's any easier with Vasilevsky or, you know, whoever else on the other end, but yeah, it can be. Price tends to be God tier yeah, in the playoffs. Yeah, he does. Um, I, I was very happy with the deadline, and I think Geo is a very good ad, and I think Blackwell is kind of a sneaky good ad, too, that not too many people are going to be thinking about. Yeah, he threw four or five hits tonight. He had a good uh, good showing for his first time. Um, from Luke Man here, is there anything more beautiful than two shorthanded goals by the fast Europeans on the team? Love it. There is nothing better. The only thing better would be Matthews finally hitting 50. Oh, uh, is he at 49 right now? Um, I'd have to double check. I don't think he's that high. No, it, it just, he's, it, it's driving me insane. I need him to hit it because it's driving me insane. Okay, so this next question is going to take us into uh, our big conversation. So before we do that, let's uh, bring back an old goodie. I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. It was pretty good. And we're going to, before we get into this, I'm going to exclude the first, second, and third stars of the night, Pierre Engvall, Mitch Marner, and Austin Matthews. That That's fine by me. I'm I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit and say the Geo Lily pairing. I'm nice. going to take a duo. Nice. Um, there was a lot of hype for Gio coming in. Now, he didn't score. He didn't get in a fight or, you know, w- one of the metrics that someone's going to look at to say, oh, he had a great game. But they played great. From what I saw, they played a very solid game. And it's very promising that you can have that much of a dependable tandem instantly off the bat. Now, hopefully it wasn't a fluke. Hopefully it can continue to to go along and proceed that way, but we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll see when there's a higher caliber scoring team. I mean, there's not really that, no offense to New Jersey, they don't have a huge goal scorer yet. I mean, Nico Heischer's having a pretty good season. I mean, Jack Hughes is still getting there. I think they're still a couple years away from being a threat and a couple pieces yep. away, but uh, we'll see how they do against, who are we playing next? Uh, Montreal. Ooh, fun. Uh, I also, did you notice... So Sherratt sat out the first game with Florida. So his first game with them was against Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. I, saw <laughs> I that. love it. So uh, I'm going to give my uh, pretty good to Alex Kerfoot because Kerfoot, I don't want him to fall by the wayside on these shorthanded plays because Ilya Mikheyev and Kerfoot were the ones that got that goal. And Kerfoot also set up Engvall on a Hail Mary, even though it says unassisted, I I would give it to Kerfoot there. I mean, he is an insane penalty killer when it comes to playmaking. Like he's the one that sets these things up. He steals the puck away and and sees the person on the rush and feeds them. He's the one that gives them the confidence to like if if he wasn't there, Mikheyev wouldn't immediately bolt out with that speed if he didn't know that somebody could feed him. I've I've been bringing it up all season. Like the the Harvard brain is a factor, right? Like the guy is smart. And yeah, even if he doesn't show up on the score sheet, there's so many little things he does all game, game in and game out 
that he's way more valuable than people think he is. Yep. Okay, so this will take us into our next conversation. Uh, so, hey, dude, I'm that guy at Jace underscore 15015. Is Vegas Euchred? So if anybody missed what happened as the deadline came to a close, the Vegas Golden Knights tried to make a trade. Um, so back in July, I want to say, or in the offseason, um, the Vegas Golden Knights acquired Evgeny Dodonov from Ottawa. And uh, it's not really on Ottawa to tell them public knowledge about this player's contract. I mean, they get the contract sent to them. They have the ability to read it all the way through, page cover to cover. Um, this is also available on um, every Puckpedia and what's the other? Um, Cap Friendly. Anybody who <laughs> plays NHL 22, this is tagged. Uh, what I'm getting to here is Evgeny Dodonov filed a no-move clause, 10-team, uh, no-trade list, ahead of the deadline to do so on June 30th. And somehow no one in the entire Vegas Golden Knights organization knew this. I don't understand how you fumble this so badly. Like, are, it's one thing to, like, these little things where, you know, the Leafs tried to pay out some, what's his name, Frogren's uh, buyout in Sweden, or, you know, that when Calgary tried to give a guy a, a an entry-level deal for three years when he was too old for it. Like, those things are, you know, fine print, whatever. But, like, this was literally public knowledge. Like, you yeah. can... I could Google Evgeny Dodonov and see that he had this list. I can't yeah. see the teams on it, but they it's, can. It's really... Like, it's it's getting to the point where... So, they came into the <laughs> league, and they were this world-class organization. They went to the cup final, you know, the, the group of misfits that banded together against all odds, yada, yada, yada. It's turning into a toxic work environment, for lack of a better way to describe it. Like, you tell Nate Schmidt, no yep, kidding. you're part of our long-term solution. You sign him to a big extension, then you trade him to Vancouver. You bring Flurry in, basically make him the face of the franchise. And then you immediately trade for Robin Leonard as his replacement, and then run Flurry out of town for a bag of pucks. And then now this, like, it's, it's a joke. Yeah. And I mean, to a lesser degree, how do you think guys like Chandler Stevenson and Jonathan Marshall so feel that like, we're not good enough. So they're going to spend everything at every deadline to bring in whoever yep. is the biggest name star, because we need that help. Like they've proven a lot. Marshall so scored. What was it? 40 goals the first season with them. Come on. Give, like, the guys that you drafted... Like, they drafted a good team. They took a chance on guys that nobody else would, and it was a good team. And now they're trying to oh. buy something every year in the most Vegas way possible, and it's not working. So just to just to close off the trade, they tried to trade Evgeny Dodonov to Anaheim for Ryan Kessler's contract, and um, I think there was an AHL John Moore AHL guy involved in there, too. And... Um, this is just a little crazy because what they were trying to do is lose the five million ish of Dodonov's contract and gain exactly. Kessler's yeah. non, you know, active contract to put on LTIR because they have so many people that they need to pull off 
from LTIR and they would be over the cap anyway. They've got, I, like I said, there's like 36 or $39 million worth of guys on LTIR or IR. Uh, so not only did they not lose this $5 million contract, they also didn't gain the relief from Ryan Kessler's. So as of right now, they're at $96 million in salaries. The salary cap is $82.5 How do you screw up that badly? Literally, like, I've done this in some of the little sim games when I start doing things at 3 in the morning after a couple drinks with my rebuild teams and make a mistake, and it'll say, invalid lineup, you can't play the next game. And I go, oh, shit. How does a professional hockey team do this? It's it's baffling the the fact that they have gotten themselves into this bad of a predict of a predicament. Like look at last year when they had to play shorthanded for multiple games just to stay under yeah. the salary cap. Like it's it's a joke. And I'm sorry, but Eichel's not helping this team either. It's so funny to watch. It's like it's I keep saying it's like the Brooklyn Nets. They brought in an all-star team and none of them are ever healthy at the same time. On paper, they should be the best team ever. Literally just like an Olympic all-star team. But they're never healthy at the same time and nobody that's on the ice at the same time can score. Like, this is embarrassing, man. Karma, the hockey gods, I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah, so hey dude, I'm that guy. To answer your question, yeah, Vegas is pretty euchred. Um, do we see a firing um, in the offseason because of this debacle? You'd have to think there's got to be. Like, really? They're going to be hurt on the cap for the next year. Yeah, you're going to have to trade unless they know something we don't. And maybe that lawsuit goes through and there's a big insurgence of money coming in and the cap jumps. But I highly doubt that. Like they're gonna it's have not to get gonna rid of go someone. up that much. No, they it, are, and it's it's funny because they tried to with Zadonov, and now he's got to come back and be like, "So that was fun." Um, <laughs> I'm here. I'm they healthy. Dangling in the wind. Yeah, I, I'm healthy. I guess I'm playing. Like, <laughs> can't get rid of me that easy, bitch. <laughs> I love it. So bad. I love it. So. um in other deadline-y things, Marc-Andre Fleury goes to Minnesota. Interesting, because Minnesota's not going on a run. It, everybody's talking about, you know, which team that's go, trying to go for the playoffs is going to grab Fleury. And he goes to Minnesota. Can you make sense of this? Because I can't. I, like, I know he got to pick where he went. Why did he pick here? Is it... They're going to suck next year. They got 12 and a half million against the cap from Suter and, and what's his nuts. I, to, to be honest, I think that is precisely why Minnesota pushed for this now. Um, if you look at the team, they're, they're a good young team. It's not like they're a seller dweller, like they're exciting. Yes, they're going to have a tough, a tough path to go through when you have a team like Colorado in your division. But they're third right now. In the central, so they yeah. face, as of right now, they'd face St. Louis in the first round, which is doable. That's doable if, for them, especially if you put Flurry in net, and then you have Caprice off up front. Anything's possible. Now, with the cap hits, 
that are coming the next couple years. Like, it is going to be absolutely insane. This year, they have 4.7 million in cap hits. Next year, 12.7, followed by two years at 14.7 before it drops down to 1.6. So they're not competing the next two years. No, they can't. If they, if they don't do it this year, they're not doing it. So it's it's that's the way I'm kind of looking at it. It's their, hey, we got to do something this year while we can. And on Fleury's side of things, it's a hockey mad market. So it's not like he's going somewhere that there's going to be no fan support or anything like that. Like Minnesota has often been called the most Canadian place, not in Canada. And well, yeah, it's farther north than Toronto, yeah. isn't it? Um, not to mention Bill Guerin was on the Penguins at one point with Flurry, and he is the GM of Minnesota. That's wild. And he that's was a... Minnesota wild. <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> and he was assistant GM in Pittsburgh before he got the wild job. So there's, well, there's a go. lot of history there. So I, I think that had a lot to do with it. And who knows? It's pro it's, it'd be against the rules, but there might've been a couple private phone calls like, Hey, we got something here. We really need you. Let's go. Oh, fair enough. Um, the other trade I want to talk about is, um, I don't understand how the Sens just keep making the stupidest <laughs> trades ever. So the Vancouver Canucks trade a third round pick to get Travis Dermott, who's on a nice contract. He's young. He's got potential. You can plug him in a uh, second pair, third pair. He can be a seventh D, you know, whatever you need there. The Ottawa Senators trade a third round pick to grab Travis Hamanick from the Vancouver Canucks. Why? Why? I, He's... I, I can't for the life of me explain why other than the fact that Pierre Maguire has a front office job with Ottawa. Uh, uh, <laughs> should this not tell you he shouldn't? Oh, I, I completely agree with you, but I'm happy he doesn't, or I'm happy he does because he is not on TSN every single night anymore. Um... Yeah, I, 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 I don't get it. Like, here's a legitimate pure, source. <laughs> this is from Locked On Sens. You got to hear this source. Pierre Maguire is the man behind Travis Hamanick becoming a senator, wants to re-sign him beyond next season and sees him as the perfect mentor for Tyler Clevin. Fire Pierre Maguire. Are you serious? Yeah, like there, there is like Frank Saravalli. It's not like it's Justin Bean reporting from his basement. Like Frank Saravalli reported that the Vancouver Canucks locker room was ecstatic, was happy that Hamannick got traded out of there because of the atmosphere he brought <laughs> into the dressing room. Like that, it, It's Frank Saravelli, a legitimate reporter. We're not talking about some no-name here. Like That's got to tell you everything you need to know. You want to hear... You want to hear what the Sens are paying for their <laughs> defensemen right now? Nikita Zaitsev, $4.5 million for the next three years. Travis Hamanick, $3 million for the next two. Then they're going to re-sign him if Pierre Maguire gets his way. Artem Zub, two and a half for the next two years. Michael Delzato, who's like not even in the lineup, makes $2 million for the next two years. Nick Holden, 1.7. Victor Mete, 1.2. They have one, only Eric Brandstrom, who's on an entry-level contract who makes less than a million dollars. They have one, two, three, 
probably four overpaid defensemen as their top four. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And f- four overpaid bottom pair defensemen as their top four. But y- Artem Zub is probably the best one. Yeah, I'd I'd say that's a fair a fair observation out out of him being the best one out of those ones. And like, you know, everybody said that, you know, Lamorello was so much better than Dubis. But look at that Zaitsev contract. Oh good God. It's there's still three <laughs> years left on it at four and a half. Till twenty twenty four? What were they thinking? I can't believe we were able to dump that one off. You're welcome. They just take every shit deal from oh, us. Oh, they do. So uh unfortunately they've got Thomas Shabbat, Matt Murray, Drake Batherson, and Shane Pinto all injured. Like, oh, that sucks. It 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 does. And yeah, it they've had a lot of injuries lately. I don't know what it is. Maybe maybe Melnick's not paying a trainer or a doctor. <laughs> Which wouldn't surprise me. Hey, he's fr- he does come from a pharmaceutical background, so that would check out. Ah, uh, so he's just going to give him drugs until they keep playing. Yeah. Sorry, I just finished watching the oh, Dope Sick TV series. So, <laughs> so current cap space for the Ottawa Senators, by the way, $57 million. Yeah. They're, uh, Pardon? I, I, I was looking at that, my, I was looking at that myself and I thought that had to be a mistake. That's good. Is that actually serious? Factor in all, factor How is that in possible? All the players and everything, right? They've got 20 mil in IR. Forwards, 28 million. Defense, 15 million. Goalies, 1.6. Oh my God. They're paying their entire forward group $28 million. Our yeah. first line makes more money than that. Well, almost. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so maybe they're picking up Travis Hamannick just to hit the cap floor, but like he's literally saying this is supposed to be their mentor defenseman. Are you joking? Like you said, Sir Volley reported he was toxic in Vancouver, and now you want him to be the guy who's training your star prospect defenseman? Like, oh, God, get him out of there. As a Leaf fan, it, it kind of makes me happy because it just means that they're going to just continuously flounder right like they're gonna they're not gonna do well which as bad as it may sound makes me happy (laughs) yeah but i mean as somebody that lives in ottawa i need there to be at least some uh hockey community here i mean i not that there's a 67s what are you talking about yeah yeah they at least play downtown they're not the canada senators (laughs) they're actually the ottawa 67s (laughs) So there was a Leafs trade that went down just before we sign off here, uh, right before the game. It was just, I guess, a late. Um, oh, this. So Brendan Mendel goes to the Flyers. So uh, you can make trades after the deadline. They just can't play. Yep. Well, so Leafs get future considerations again. So uh, we're getting future considerations from Nashville and from now from the Flyers. Oh, man, but, put a whole future consideration line. But ah, the Nashville trade may have been complete. I don't know oh, if yes. you saw this because saw. we have acquired Philip Myers from Nashville. But apparently he's still signed to Nashville. He's just going to the Marlies on a loan. He cannot come up to the Leafs. Yes, he cannot come up to the Leafs, but it like is this kind of like one of them, well, here, we'll, we'll loan him to the Marlies. He'll play with you, and if you like him, that can be your future considerations type thing. I guess. 
Um, also, Victor Rask goes to the Kraken. And uh, I guess the big one of the day other than that was Max Domi getting traded to the Hurricanes by the Blue Jackets in a three-team deal. So they uh, they had 75% retained salary there, which is awesome for uh, Carolina. I think Domi's yeah. a good fit for them. I think he fits their style. He does. He's not uh, the physical beast that everyone was trying to say he was, that the Leafs would get him. But considering Blackwell has more hits than he does. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I don't, it's not a trade deadline if Derek Broussard doesn't get traded, apparently. Oh, absolutely. Even though he wasn't interested in moving. He's like, uh, what was it, Thomas Vanek who went like every trade deadline? He's turning into the next gen him. Yeah. Um, Sanford goes to the Jets from the Sens. Nemestikov from Stars to the Red Wings. Oh, two Stars from the Red Wings. Um, and uh, I think my... Outside of the Leafs, um, who I think made a, a really good, maybe not the biggest splash, but for what they needed and what they spent, I think they had a really successful deadline. I think the New York Rangers did really well, bringing in uh, Andrew Kopp and Tyler Mott. I think that's... Uh, and Nick, Nick Merkley as well, another young kid who had a lot of promise coming up, but has kind of faltered a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, Rangers are going to be dangerous, man. Chris Kreider keeps scoring, and he's not even the best player on that team. Like Panarin's a Banajad, like Lafreniere. There's so many guys that are just going to explode. Like not even just this year. Like that's going to be a dangerous team for a while. Colorado getting Lekkinen, Cogliano, Mar Manson. Yeah, there, there was a couple teams that loaded up. Yeah, and you know it's nice to see that everybody's able to do these kind of moves, even with the salary cap and as restrictive as it is, we're able to see some teams that are really good, add good pieces and make this an interesting playoff run. Yeah. You know, it's not at the level of the NBA per se, but it's closer than we've seen in recent years. I think this is the most loading up by a select few teams that I've seen in, in the last couple. Usually it's like People making, you know, there's two or three teams that make moves to the playoffs, but the rest are like completely unrelated and just kind of off-season moves done early. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Normally it's a, a lot of basic nothing moves, but this year... Yeah, there's one big name, like last year was Taylor Hall, and, you know, there's there's always the big name, and it's where are they going to go because their contract's up. This year there was a lot of, a couple A-list, but a huge B-list uh, of of potential targets, and I think... That was where the money was to be made. So I think uh, the teams that sold did well and the teams that bought did well. I think this is a good trade deadline for everybody. Arizona is going to be really good in like eight years. If they're, I mean, whatever city they end up in, that team's going to be good. Hey, Shane Wright scored in the prospects game today. I saw so that. They have, they have that to go for them. Is that the one that was um, uh, the overdrive coached game? Yes. Nice. Uh, we have a couple this day in hockey histories today Ooh, okay and first off it wasn't today but on march 22nd 1940 so yesterday back in 1940 the greatest leaf of all time was born really david keon hey uh, i wasn't sure which one you were gonna say happy belated <laughs> birthday to dave keon well he was voted as the greatest leaf of all time so I had to oh. say it that way. From Noranda, Quebec. Nice. Well, and he was it was a smaller forward. I believe he was only about five nine. 
and he absolutely dominated in 1,062 games for the Leafs. He had 858 points. Third all-time for all-time points for the Leafs. Like, the guy was just absolutely incredible, and that's not even including what he did in the WHA. Good for him. Damn. And then today, back in 1952, Bill Mozienko scores the fastest hat trick in NHL history, scoring three goals in 21 seconds. What? (laughs) That's insanity. Yep. That is one of those records that probably will never fall. Uh, that's going to be really hard to to top that one. Uh, so just real quick, not only did Toronto win, but Buffalo beat the Penguins. How sweet is that? that they won it in a shootout, 4-3. Tage Thompson picking up two goals for my fantasy team. Thank you, sir. Always appreciate it. Um, I apologize. I also picked up Nico Heischer for tonight, so... Um, thanks for the power play goal, Nico. I guess it's nice when someone scores and the Leafs still win. <laughs> sure, we're we're also missing the the biggest this day, by the way. Oh, what's that? Nineteen ninety four, March twenty third, <gasps> at fourteen forty seven of the second period, in a six three loss to the Vancouver Canucks, Wayne Gretzky of the L A Kings scores his eight hundred and second NHL goal. To become the Jeez. all-time goal-scoring leader in the history of the NHL. And um, at that point, Justin Bieber would have been <clears throat> three weeks old, just about <laughs> being born March 1st, 1994. Uh, I will have been born a couple months later. So um, I was shout out to Bieber for the Drew jerseys tonight. Thanks, bud. Hope you enjoyed the game. <laughs> I was about a month away from turning three, so... Nice. Well, thanks for tuning in to Leafs Late Night. This has been Roscoe and the Beaner for your uh, dad joke evening. I promise we'll have the whole team back. We've got some uh, exciting guests we're trying to get on here. Uh, Follow us. Give us a like. Give us a rate. All the good things. Let us know if there's anything you want to see next time. As always, uh, go Leafs go. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. 